Welcome to Sold Out Sports Talk with your host, former pro football quarterback and president of the Sold Out Youth Foundation, Roman Gabriel III. Join us for up-close conversations with high-impact people dedicated to faith and family from the world of sports and entertainment. Remember, Sold Out relies on you, the listener, and your support in order to deliver this program. You can donate to the Sold Out Youth Foundation at soldouttv.com. Follow Roman on his Twitter and Facebook fan pages at Roman Gabriel III. Check out the Sold Out program at soldouttv.com along with its mission to impact America's youth by challenging students to be alcohol and drug abstinent and teaching valuable life skills and biblical principles of success. Today, Roman's guests on Sold Out Sports Talk are Seattle Seahawks wide receiver Ricardo Lockett. So there's a lot of things that I overcame that I had to go the opposite way of where the crowd was going. I had to skip out on parts and I had to stay at home. When I stayed at home, I ended up going to Bible study with my mom. My granddad is a preacher. My entire family went to that same church, so I was there. And former Charger quarterback and college football analyst Ryan Leaf. When we do this, it has nothing to do with me personally. This has everything to do with the listener who, who still struggles or is in a place where I was you know, six, six years ago. And, and that's our hope, is that uh, somebody will hear it, reach out and ask for help. Now here's the host of Sold Out Sports Talk. Roman Gabriel III. Welcome to Sold Out Sports Talk on American Family Radio. Roman Gabriel III here. Got a good buddy coming in. I, I met this young man last year and a great, great wide receiver for the Seattle Seahawks, a Super Bowl champion, and a guy who just retired mm-hmm. from the NFL at a young age. Looks like he could still be playing uh, Sunday night. Right. Ricardo Lockett with me on Sold Out Sports Talk on American Family. Roman Gabriel. Excited to have my man back in the booth here. Oh yeah, oh yeah. How are you doing? Oh, I can't complain. First of all, thanks for having me, man. No, no, I, man. I love, I love sports talk, man. Yeah, man. Uh, it's, it's, it's actually one of the ones that I remember the most vividly. Yeah. I remember it sitting almost in the exact same spot. But we had you know, a good it was, time. It was, yeah, it was a little busy, but you know, uh, it's, it's different than any other interview that's out here. They want to talk about, you know, typically stuff that really doesn't matter. You know, the things that really matter is, is, is your foundation, your faith, your family. That's the reason that we're here. That's the reason that, that, that gave us the, the, I guess you would say the juice, that gave us the, uh, the drive right. to do what we did, do what we do. You know, for you to be the man that you are, you know, it's God that put you here right. through faith, you know, that kind of thing. So that's, that's why I'm a country boy. So I'm, I'm a southern guy. Well, I grew what? up in the church. I wish you would have been with me about three hours ago. We were uh, at Greater Atlanta Christian School talking to 700 high school kids today. Wow. Uh, you know, sharing the gospel, uh, sharing with them our sold-out program and about how to be excellent and how to get involved in our in our curriculum and uh, character program. So it was just fabulous. You, mm. you, you, you're all about that. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing I love about next our year, show. Give me, next year, give me a call. Yes, in I'll Miami. We'll go. We'll do it. We're planning the Super Bowls it. in Miami. Yes, it is, baby. Week. You got to come for that. Oh, God. I learned that when I gave God first place and, and he wasn't going to let me get away, even if I misbehave and I did something wrong, he was going to pursue me mm. until I got it right and started giving him the glory. Exactly. And he said, when I did that, it changed my whole life. Exactly. And that's the thing that's so cool about role models and about what we do as sold out is we want kids to know it's number one it's cool mm-hmm. to love god mm-hmm. it's cool to reach your potential it's right. cool to be great right it's cool to be drug and alcohol absent all i try to do is is to know the people that i deal with in my program mm-hmm. and say no they're not perfect but 
I want kids to know that positive role models are out there that they can say, you know, something Ricardo Lockett's doing, hey, I like what he's doing. I want to implement that part in my mm -hmm. life, whether it's football or the mm -hmm. way he lives his life. Mm -hmm. But they have when they don't have positive role models because yeah. they don't have it at home, a lot of them, right. where do they go? Exactly. The internet? The internet. So, and, and the internet's not going to teach them what exactly, they really. Exactly. It's just, it's just a new day and age at this point. It's a new day and age. So it's, it's tough. I, I, I don't have the answer to that. I don't know like how you outpower social media and uh, um, just the, um, what do you call it, uh, peer pressure of being cool or being teased. If, if you were a kid right now and you walked into a middle school and you're a seventh grade and you walk around with a Bible, you're a weird kid. Right. And I don't think that that's normal. That's, that's a kid that has strong right. faith. Like that should be the kid that, okay, I need to study with this person. I need to figure out like where this person is going because this person has a foundation that can't be broken. Even if this person fails this test, this person is going to rely on God. Yeah. If someone has less than us, we don't talk about them. So if you think about it, that Bible is almost um, an example of um, resilience, uh, of um, un unbreakable structure, uh, is um, uh, being a leader, not being a follower. But in this day and age, that that's a weird kid. Yeah, it is. So we can't change that, but I, I do what I can. I just try to affect everyone that I can when I come in contact with them and just kind of, you know, let, let them know that these rings are all, all given to me from God. For, uh, there's a lot of things that, that's happened to me in life that I could have died in a car accident. I could have died in my in, with my football injury. I could have done a lot of things growing up in high school that I, I that would uh, make me ineligible to go to college. So there's a lot of things that I overcame that right. I had to go the opposite way of where the crowd was going. I had to skip out on parties and I had to stay at home. When I stayed at home, I ended up going to Bible study with my mom. My granddad is a preacher. My entire family went to that same church. So I was there with uh, usher. I was an usher. I was in the youth ministry. I was on the youth. Um, um, in the youth choir, so forth and so on. So a lot of people aren't raised like that today, and it's not typical. So, you know, I just feel sorry for them, and, and I, I, don't, I don't know where they're going to have the faith in the next couple of years. Um, one of the things that we have to do a better job of is if parents are not going to take responsibility for their kids, then I feel like it's our mission to at least provide programs and opportunities and role models and position them to be successful. I know when I grew up, I came from a broken family. Uh, my parents divorced when I was nine years old. My dad was 17 years in the NFL. Right. Was one of the greatest football players I've ever seen play the game. Right. Um, but my mom knew that I needed positive role models. Mm -hmm. So she put me in Bible study and in, in youth group where I had mm -hmm. youth pastors to help me. She put me with other guys' husbands, uh, you know, that took us to ball games. Mm -hmm. She knew that we needed that kind of father figure and that person while my dad wasn't there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, God really replaced that, like you said. He mm -hmm. always has the solution. Exactly. But as you said, we have to be intentional and about making took, the opportunity. And they even took it out of church. They took it out of school. You, it's illegal. Like it's against the law to pray right. at school. If a teacher were to say, "Hey, everybody, bow your heads," she'll be Can't she'll be it. fired. Can't do it. You know one why of, is that? Why do you think that is? is well, it, well, I think I think people are scared of God, and I think in the wrong reason. I think I think that people see God as the one that wants to take away everything, all your fun, and wants to make your life miserable, and wants mm -hmm. to you know you have to go to church, you got to read the Bible, mm -hmm. you got to do everything right. You, have, mm -hmm. you know there's right and wrong, and you have to follow rules. Exactly. That's not what being a Christian is. That's religion. 
Uh-huh. Being a Christian, it's like I told these students today, it's having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, with a mm-hmm. person who knows you better than anybody yeah, in the world, who else. loves you better than anyone in the world, mm-hmm. who knows your faults to the to the key, and who has a wonderful plan for your life and wants to wants to make your life full and meaningful. Mm-hmm. And when kids come into a relationship and understand that, it changes your whole perspective. I mean, right. that when I was 13, I made that decision. Mm-hmm. It's the greatest decision I ever made. Mm-hmm. Before the decision, did I think that was what I was going to perceive? No. Or it'd right. be easy for everybody right. to do it. Right. But when you make that decision, it changes everything because mm-hmm. you realize now that you have God as a father. Mm-hmm. You know, and, 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 and it doesn't have to be like, I think, I think everyone's uh, relationship is different. You know, I have friends that pray and, you know, they start out, you know, Lord, I come to you as humbly as possible. And I have other friends that start out, hey, God, this is going to yeah. be a long one for me. Yeah. So, you know, there is no right it's a or journey. wrong way. What I don't like is when people try to tell you how to be right. a Christian and tell right. you, oh, that's wrong, that's wrong, because you don't know my heart. You, right. don't, know, you don't know how I feel. Maybe I grew up saying words like, um, um, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I don't say I don't know. So it's like, you know, so you can't really judge a person by the well, words. It's, it's more on their heart. Exactly. And, yeah. and one of the most f- gratifying things about being at the Super Bowl, as long as I have, and covering you guys at Super Bowls, I've covered all the Patriots Super Bowls, is watching players, young players, grow into strong Christian men. Uh, Herm Edwards, you remember with ESPN, played mm-hmm. with the Philadelphia Eagles. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'll never forget the first time I met Herm out of college. The Eagles had gone to the Super Bowl against the Raiders. Uh, I did a football camp right out of college with him, and of course I was a big Eagles fan. My dad played for the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Herm comes up to me, the first thing he says is, is I just want to let you know that your father helped teach me how to be a professional football player, helped teach me how to handle the locker room, how to be a man, mm-hmm. how, how to represent uh, you know, in the community, responsibility as a player. Mm-hmm. I thank him for that every single day. Mm-hmm. I was with Rod Woodson the other day, and Rod Woodson told me, he said, Roman, I didn't have a clue my first two or three years. Someone told me, coach came to me, you got incredible talent. You could be a Hall of Famer. you got to change the way you work. Wow. And he said, that person changed me. And then I realized at year five that I had to help the rookies. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that experience in your life. Oh, man. Man, you mean helping the rookies? Yeah. Oh, just, man. Just being yeah, on the because, other side and being yeah. there and knowing what you have to do. Yeah, exactly. And uh, actually, one of my friends that are here now that actually works for NFL Network, Mike Robb, I did an interview yeah. with him. And um, if you look it up. So he was saying, he was like, it was my second year, and I had just left the practice squad going into my second year. And he was like, Locke, like, so what do you look forward to next year? And I was like, I look forward to helping the guys, you know, helping this or that. He was like, man, how do you plan on helping somebody when you've only been in the league one year, you don't know much, you haven't even really played? But I said, I know more than they know. And it's not about what I don't know, it's about what I do know. And, and, I, and I learned from the mistakes that I made. So I can tell them what not to do from my mistakes, from my own personal experience, because they've never been through it. And I think that's what it's all about. If, if, if someone, I don't think you need a certain level of expertise to teach somebody something. You could have, you could have, uh, you could start four businesses and all four of them fail. And you can help me be one of the greatest businessmen ever because if I learn from all four of those things, and then other people will say, why are you talking to him? Why are you learning from him? He hasn't done anything successful. But he's been through it. He's tried. Right. You know, he's learned from his triumph. And that's kind of kind of how I feel about it. I was excited about it. You know, I didn't think of myself as, you know, uh, a RG3 or a Julio Jones or anybody like that. But I was a guy that had done something right. that they wanted to do that had never done. So I looked forward to that and I accepted that challenge. 
I could talk to this guy all day long. Ricardo Lockett, <laughs> Seattle Seahawks Super Bowl champion, now uh, starting that new life in retirement. Mm -hmm. Ricardo, you're welcome to come back anytime. It's just so, so, so fun to talk with you. I'll see you in Miami. You know, and I wish I, I wish I could have made it to you, uh, made it with you guys to the school, man. I enjoy talking to the kids and using my platform because a lot of times, you know, they they don't get the athlete to come in or the guy that looks like myself. And I come in, and you know, I come in with my rings and my watch and all this stuff, and he fits the profile of the guy on uh -huh. social media. But guess what? I am, and I believe in God. You gotta and follow I, him on Instagram and Twitter, mm -hmm. uh, Ricardo Lockett. Show us the rings. Show us the rings right there, there baby. Bingo. I like that. I like I left, that. I left my my dad has the other Seahawks oh, he does? ring. Okay. Yeah. So you know, two so. on a finger is gonna get it done. <laughs> right. Ricardo, uh, great to have you. Pleasure. Uh, we will Pleasure. see you soon. Uh, Pleasure, stay in man. touch. Pleasure. Ricardo Lockett, Seattle Seahawks Super Bowl champion wide receiver, uh, right here on Sold Out Sports Talk. This is a best of edition of Sold Out Sports Talk with your host, Roman Gabriel III. In this segment, Roman talks with former Charger quarterback and college football analyst Ryan Lee. Visit soldouttv.com and consider donating to the Sold Out Youth Foundation. And follow Roman on his Twitter and Facebook fan pages at Roman Gabriel 3. Now, once again, here's Roman Gabriel III. Welcome back to Sold Out Sports Talk on American Family Radio. And uh, we're here with a guy that I've been sought, sought out, seeking after for quite some time to get on my show. He was the number one draft pick of the San Diego Chargers from Washington State. But I uh, love this guy's story because uh, uh, so many people can uh, can appreciate it. Ryan Leaf with us. Ryan, how are you? Thanks, Roman. And thanks for having me. Hey, awesome to have you, man. I, I was a fan of yours. L love watching you play. Uh, and I know, I know you had a great career in terms of college coming into the NFL. But what I'm interested in is uh, your agent was was a good friend of mine, Lee, Lee Steinberg. Right. And uh, you and I, you and I, uh, are fortunate because Lee went through a real difficult situation. He's been a he's been a real mentor to you, hasn't he? Uh, he has. I mean, he's always kind of been a mentor. He's my agent, of course, when I was coming into the league. And then, having gone through something similar, we have we have something in common and something we can. Uh, uh, relate to with one another and so he's been very helpful he's going to be a big part of my weekend this weekend he's uh his party of course and then as well as uh our event called the sober bowl which we're putting on here in minnesota so that's yours yeah oh man that's so cool when yeah. he did that i was really interested because you know so many people out there struggle with alcohol and drugs and, and i tell people all this all the time that if you don't know somebody in your family or outside your family or a good friend then you, you, you probably have been hiding somewhere. I, I agree, and I think that, uh, you know, this event is just uh, it's a it's a Super Bowl party, uh, the quintessential Super Bowl party uh, as an alternative, right? So it's a safe, sober environment for people who don't want to be around people with alcohol. Uh, it's going to be the least liability-wise party mm -hmm. in, in Minnesota this weekend, I do believe, uh, and we're excited for it. You know, and so I'm glad Lee was, is a part of it this year. We got us some some other great friends of mine. Craig Gass, the comedian, he's a, he's a part of it. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Second year this has happened. The reason why I'm so interested in your story is, is I have a brother who's one year younger than me who was an alcoholic for 17 years. And uh, it was one of the most heartbreaking things that, that I ever went through. Uh, and, and you know this, that so many people are hurt around the person who struggles with it, whether it's your family or your wife or your girlfriend. Um, t talk to me a bit about the process for you. Uh, because you've come full circle, and what's exciting about you is is that you have the ability to look at somebody and say, 
even though I've been through it, you can come out the other end. Yeah, and I think that's the, that's the reason why we're so public about about my yeah. struggles. You know, because that's the when we do this, it has nothing to do with me personally. This has everything to do with the listener who who still struggles or is in a place where I was, you know, six six years ago. And and that's our hope is that uh, somebody will hear it, reach out and ask for help, and then you know. We got a tweet the other day or a message on Twitter where a guy said he heard me on a radio show 92 days ago and he wanted to just tell me, uh, write and tell me that he was 90 days sober. So, I mean, those are the impactful things that we're doing. And you were right about the family dynamic, right? And when you are going and seeking treatment, if the family isn't there with you, uh, it most likely will, nothing will change. You'll get back home and you've done all this work. The family hasn't and the dynamic doesn't shift. Uh, your muscle memory takes over. You are triggered by the right. things that your family deals with, and you go right back to what you've always done. I do a drug and alcohol education in public schools. Um, one of the things that I see is many of these kids, uh, it's not their fault. They come from homes where they go home and mom and dad are, are alcoholics right. or drug addicts, um, and they're looking for an out. They're looking to break the chain, and I say chain because that's exactly what it is. Uh, my family, my wife and I, our 12 and 14 year olds, we took all the alcohol out of our house. I'd seen what it done with my brother and other members of my family. Right. Uh, so when we took it out of there, we were telling them, hey, it isn't just what we say, we're doing it. Yeah. And my daughter's never had a drink in her life, and, and my son doesn't drink. Um, and it really, really was a positive thing for me and my wife because what we saw was is that kids are going to mimic what they see at home. And the message to parents needs to be, you know, you really need to be thinking about your kids and what they're seeing. It's hard to say to a, a, a learning child, you know, do what I say, not what I do. You know, that's, that's really hard to do because we, we watch what other people do. And we, like you said, mimic that. Um, that's why, uh, you know, becoming a father at 41 and, 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 and one in recovery is going to be so beneficial to how I raise my son and how that how that comes about. I, I have a story to tell. But then again, through all this whole process, you can't control what choices these young young people make. And that's why when I spread my message and I talk to it, I can't take it personally if, sure. if something happens, if somebody does something. My job is to spread the message, talk about it, raise awareness, and what people do with that message is entirely up to them. Ryan Leaf is with us, uh, former number one draft pick of the San Diego Chargers. And Ryan, when did it start for you? When, when, when did the alcohol problem begin for you? You know, well, alcohol was never really the issue. It was truly Vicodin. It was, yeah. it was the opiate, opiate painkiller that I was given through all my surgeries while I was playing football. And then when my career was over, um, I did not know how to deal with life on life's terms. And uh, I turned to something that medicated me and killed the pain, the physical pain. And now I was looking for it to do that with the uh, emotional pain, and that's become such a big, such a big problem. Even that our president has taken a real initiative with this, that you have like eight—is it eighty-one deaths a day or something like that? It's it's just uh, it's outrageous. I completely understand how it's possible because it's such a psychologically affecting drug. It it takes over the chemistry in your brain quickly too. It's not like you have to be doing this drug for a while to be addicted. It's really, I think. A matter of seven to ten days of a, of a prescription where you could be, you know, obsessed with it to the point where you need to have it all the time. And for those of us who, you know, it changed our chemistry and made us feel better, or in my case, not feel anything, not feel the failure, the, the depression, all of these things, uh, it can be everlasting. But it, it, it runs out. You have to get to a point where you have to make a change or otherwise it's just going to consume you. 
You know, you know what it's like to make decisions uh, and to be intentional about your life. Um, is, is it hard to be recovered from this in terms of continuing to do it? The recovery, yes. You have to be inter- you have to be intervened with. You can't you can't do it on your Cold own. It's just, and so I had to be intervened with. Um, the substance has been out of my system for a long time now, but those behaviors that exhibit that I exhibited for years before I ever took a drug, you know, those are in your in my life, and I and I behaved that way for so long, and so when they rear their ugly head again, I have to be shown uh, from people I've surrounded myself with who hold me accountable. Uh, and uh, and not get defensive when I when I am told about it. Like hey, you're acting out, uh, you know, your ego is is a part of this, or uh, you know, are you exaggerating yeah. that story at all? Because those are the those are the behaviors I exhibited while uh, while under the influence as well before. Well, the good news for you and me is, is coming from an athletic background, accountability is something that you're used to, or at least that you have to do, right? It's weird um, for being an athlete that made it to such an elite level. The word accountability, sometimes when you're an elite athlete, you are never accountable to anybody <laughs> or anything because you were given everything yeah. and told yes about everything. So the idea of accountability for me really changed. Uh, After this. When I was able to walk by a mirror, especially while I was in prison, and look at myself in the mirror and say, you are here because of what you did, nobody else, and the consequences are yours, and what was your part in all of this? So taking responsibility. Yes. Uh, so as, you, as you're as involved with Transcend, I see the hat you're wearing, the recovery community. Tell me about Transcend and what you guys do. Well, yeah, we're a recovery community that's based in uh, Los Angeles, Houston, and New York. And uh, we're sober living environments for people who are dealing with substance abuse and mental health issues. And I'm lucky enough to be uh, the program ambassador for that. So I get to travel around the country, do these types of things, try to help people with those issues uh, and, uh, and get them into treatment or simply just be a, a sounding board for them if they need to ask for help or talk about it. And for our listening audience, you know, this isn't, this is, everybody's affected by this. If you if you just had a pain and you went to the doctor and they gave you a Vicodin or, or a strong uh, medicine, bottom line is, what is it for you uh, that makes this so special now in terms of having the opportunity to travel and to help others? And, and more importantly, for someone's out there listening to us, Ryan, who has the problem, what would you tell them? Well, for me, it's about service, right? So, you know, this, is, this isn't this is self-serving in any way. No. I'm not, you know, trying to gain anything from this, or I'm just trying to help somebody who is maybe in the same position I was, and I know how miserable I was and how I, at times, didn't even want to be here, uh, be alive. And, and I know there are other people that are dealing with that on a daily basis, and if we can be an outlet for that, uh, then I want to take on that responsibility, and, and that's why we're so public about it. Wow. Ryan Leaf with us uh, from Transcend Recovery Community. And, and if, if we want information about Transcend, where do they go? Uh, TranscendRecoveryCommunity.com or, you know, contact me directly on Twitter at Ryan D. Leaf. We just had somebody, I think we talked about it a little bit earlier, how they reached out and talked about how they heard something like this, you know, 92 days ago. And they just reached their 90-day 90, 90 sobriety uh, point. So, uh, you know, reach out to me personally if you need to. I'll I'll, I'll give you a call myself, and we can have a talk because my story is no different than yours. It's not m- more important because I played football, or less important because I was a, you know, a felon who went to jail. We have the same story, and your stories can be just as impactful to me as mine and to yours. Tell me one thing before I let you go. Uh, you are so closely tied to Peyton Manning, obviously, for a lot of reasons. What's your relationship with Peyton now? Uh, it's it's friendly, you know. Uh, 
we text each other from time to time. Recently, uh, when he was uh, getting his uh, uh, jersey retired in the bronze statue outside of uh, Lucas Oil, um, I, I, I texted him and told him congratulations, well-deserved. And then uh, I threw in a, a, a quick snapshot of my two-week-old baby boy at the time and, and said, by the way, my day was still better. And uh, <laughs> he sent back a, a text that said, I agree. So he understands what's important. He has children himself. So I'm really proud of him and what he's been able to accomplish. And, you know, it's uh, to be considered, uh, you know, at a time uh, the equivalent of, of Peyton Manning, who may be arguably the best who ever played. That's a pretty neat thing. And, and now that I know what's important in life, I can, I can look back and say that's pretty darn cool. Here's a question I know you probably have thought about. If this didn't happen to you, where where do you think Ryan Leaf would have been as a quarterback ten years into the league? Probably be a forty-one-year-old with some Super Bowl rings. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know yourself what you used to yeah, be. There's some self-awareness there. So, so tell me real quickly about your family life. You said you said you had your first child. And, yeah. And how's that impacted your life? Well, it just immediately shows you the you know the selfless nature of how you're going to have to live the rest of your life. Everything I do, any money I I, I earn is for him. Uh, um, everything I do is for him and for my partner too. She, uh, she's an extension of him because she helped me. She helped give me this this other human being, and and to have a partner like that is is pretty amazing. And this is the longest I've been away from him. This will be yeah. 11 straight days. So it's uh, she's, she keeps shooting me videos, and it just it breaks my heart that I'm here, even though we're doing good work. Sure, sure. But uh, I want to hold him. I want to be around him because he's never going to be that small or that cute like that you know that place again ryan leaf where we go for transcend recovery again transcendrecoverycommunity.com or reach out to me personally uh, at ryan d leaf on on twitter and we can uh, we can help ryan this has been a pleasure i Thank sure you. this this is well worth the wait all right sir Thank thanks you for coming in my friend yeah thanks for coming on sold out you've been listening to sold out sports talk with roman gabriel iii our podcasts are available at afr.net you can follow Roman on his official website, soldouttv.com, and on Facebook at Roman Gabriel 3. We'll catch you next time on Sold Out Sports Talk, your source for faith, family, and sports.